you know, we try and play offense because the same thing, if you're only contacting the owners when there's an issue, they're going to just automatically assume something negative every time you're communicating with them. Hey everybody, Andrew Smallwood here from Second Nature. Welcome to this week's episode of the Triple Win Podcast. We've got an amazing panel, amazing topic today. We're going to be talking about uh, investor experience. Actually, not re- I keep saying resident experience. You know, second second <laughs> nature of the company we are. That that's what comes naturally. But investor experience is a topic today. Attracting investors, keeping investors, extending the relationship, adding more services and value to the relationship. A lot that's going to be covered. Uh, really excited today. We've got an amazing panel. And uh, the first person that I get to introduce as a part of the panel is actually, we'll bring them up one at a time. And first is Jenny Utz. Uh, Jenny's a good personal friend, friend of Second Nature, longtime customer, a friend personally. And what I love about Jenny is she runs a great property management company, but she's also just a very serious entrepreneur. Great to learn at that level. And she's been getting really into, I see, like developing content and more for investors. She's an investor herself. Jenny, if you wouldn't mind adding on to that, just a little bit about yourself and your company for the audience. What an intro. Thanks, Andrew. Uh, so I've been in the real estate property management world for about 18 years. Uh, own a real estate brokerage, uh, also a property management company, and I've got a remodeling and maintenance company uh, to kind of bring that full package to our investors. Um, I also own a portfolio of investments from long-term, short-term, even an international property as well, which I'm excited about. Um, Just launched a real estate uh, coaching platform for new investors and seasoned investors looking uh, to start adding more doors. Thanks for that. And Mark, if we can bring you up to the Zoom stage. Mark's here, not just because he's got the coolest Zoom camera uh, on the planet and uh, and some fun angles here, but Mark's based out of Arizona. I've been getting to know Mark uh, a little bit better over over the last few months, and I'm really enjoying. Uh, I'm really enjoying that. You know, I'm really. I'm, he's a very thoughtful, strategic guy, and really passionate about creating an impact for for investors and other people through real estate. So, Mark, with that, would you mind giving a little more introduction about yourself and your company? Yeah, and my my Zoom camera is so smart that it decided to fix itself at this angle just as the meeting started. So yeah, um, a property management company owner, Phoenix, Arizona, been at it for 12 years, been a landlord for 20 years. Uh, Previous life, I was a commercial real estate land broker, really passionate about building business, uh, pursuing good profits, not bad profits, uh, pursuing triple win relationships, love everything you guys stand for and feel honored to be here. All right. So we got Jenny and Mark, which means batting third, we've got Lauren. Coming in uh, from Jacksonville, Florida and JWB, there's a, a JWB family of companies and she's really leading the investor portfolio team. Yeah, I'd love for you, Lauren, if you could share a little bit about yourself and also JWB and kind of the, the department that you oversee there. Of course. Yeah. Nice to meet everybody. Lauren, uh, I am the director of our sales and service department here at JWB Property Management, um, also JWB Real Estate Capital. Been in business since 2006, uh, really have a heavy focus on the investor experience. Um, we manage 1,600 clients, about 5,500 homes, 
So we are in the business of best practices. A little bit about me is people are my passion. So whether I'm in real estate or I do something else or what I did in my previous past was healthcare, um, that's going to kind of be at the root of every fundamental thing that I'm I'm passionate about. So that's a little bit about me. Nice to meet you guys. All right. Well, Jenny, Mark, Lauren, thanks again for generously taking some time out to be here and talk about this. I know you're all passionate and have a lot of energy around this topic. So I know it'll be fun. And I'm just going to give a reminder for folks, they can drop their questions in the chat. We'll, we'll take them like as we go real time. So if you have a question, even just minutes from now, you don't have to wait. This isn't one where we wait till like the last five seconds and we get one question at the end. Uh, as much, you know, one of the benefits we want for the live audience is really high relevance, you know, answers, right? To the questions that are on your mind, the help, uh, the things that are going to help you make progress and move forward. That's that's part of our goal here and part of the benefit of being live. So encourage encourage that and we'll look for that in the chat. But with that said, I get to rub my hands together and get to start with some questions of my own for this group. And, you know, I want to talk about, you know, what we promised folks, you know, in prep for this. So we talked about investor experience and how to attract the right investors, right, into the business, how to think about that, how to do that, um, how to retain investors, right, and their experience through working with you, you know, and really turning the things that repel the kind of people that you'd want to keep away or, you know, turning churn into stronger retention, even an expanded relationship, right, over time, high value relationships with investors over time and the real practical, tactical practices that can help do that as well as some of the mindset, you know, and approaches to, to support that as well. So with that in mind, where I'd love to get kicked off, I think it's a logical place to start kind of like chronologically. I've heard, uh, I've heard so many property managers say like, I'm not just in the property management business, I'm in the expectations business uh, because they're working with people and, uh, and defining those relationships. And I I'd love to hear from you guys about how you think about that. You know, when you're thinking about your marketing and your sales process and setting expectations for who you're for, what you do, what you don't do, how you do it, you know, what can people expect from their relationship? What are some of the keys that you found, you know, in creating a winning and great investor experience? And and maybe we'll start here with uh, with Jenny on this question. Yeah, absolutely. So um, one of the things I always like to look at is you know, the quality that you're putting in the service isn't just about what you're putting into it. It's about what the customer is actually getting out of it. So you could be spending a lot of time uh, focusing on what you think is important instead of the customer themselves. So when we bring people on, we ask just as many questions of them as they do us so we can get a better understanding, one, of their property, and two, how we can best serve them if we are even the right fit for them to begin with. Jenny, thanks for getting us kicked off. Uh, really appreciate that. You know, Lauren, can you share a little bit about JWB, about some of the key expectations you guys set, even a little bit about your process of what what is the like sales and conversation process kind of look and sound like if I was potentially looking at working with your company? Yeah, of course. Um, I guess like-minded individuals is really important because if we're not aligned on how we're going to perform and the expectations that that client has, it's not going to end up being a mutual fit. So a lot of the times we're talking through, are we the right market, the power and the vertical integration of our team and how we kind of structure our processes, structure our goals to show that they are aligned with what would make an investment successful for an investor. They got to be passive. 
So that's something that's super important for us. And we find that we would not be the best fit for someone who wants to have a say in in color finishes and doesn't buy into this well-oiled machine that we are here to hit a return expectation. We see value in the team that's going to get you there. And then we talk a lot about a long-term buy and hold and really the benefits of this asset class based off of, you know, a 10 to 20 year cycle. So that way you can reap all the benefits. So if you're looking for a quick little fix and flip, we're probably not going to be the best fit for you. But, but wait, Lauren, what if, what if I've got like my whole list of my own maintenance fenders that I want to use and I want to coordinate maintenance myself. Are, are you saying uh, Are you saying I'm not the client for you if that's the case? I'm saying that I would love to hear who your vendors are. If they're licensed and insured and they're going to be in line with the philosophy that we have and the expectations we have for vendor management, such as communication, how they treat our residents, timeliness, response, billing. Usually it's the billing components. If we're aligned there, then, hey, I'm all for additional vendor onboarding. That only helps us grow our business. Um, But if it's going to be a struggle and a push and a pull every time we have a maintenance item that you're going to handle it, my question to them would be, what did you hire us for? So um, usually we end up just determining very quickly that we, we might not be a good fit for each other. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Hey, uh, Mark, I'm I'm putting you in the three spot here. I know you've got got some great thoughts on this. I'd love for you to share. What are your thoughts around expectations, defining the relationship, and you know, really using that to attract who you're for and 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 who and repel who you're not for? Yeah, thank you, Andrew. And I'm lucky to have good technicians on my team because if if not, I'd be sitting in a row just thinking about the theory of property management all day. But I think a winning investor experience starts with. Uh, thinking big picture. I think so often we think that we're just collecting rent and managing maintenance, but really at our core, we're asset managers. That's the highest, that, that's that's getting closer to the highest value we can bring to others as asset managers. In fact, sometimes we talk about how our clients have capital sitting at property and it's our job to help guide them to the capital's best, highest and best use. And often it means it doesn't stay in that asset or often it means part of that gets harvested and it gets deployed elsewhere. And I just recently read uh, the book, um, The Psychology of Money. And so my thinking is shaped a little bit by the the recent principles in that book, which include, we're not just uh, trying to, uh, ROI is not the measurement, honestly. Um, The compounding effect of staying in this asset class for a long period of time is so powerful at building wealth that we're really trying, the, the goal closer to the optimal goal is what, what is the highest and best use that this person's capital could be at it, it, among the real estate asset choices that they can emotionally tolerate and stay at for a very long period of time, right? So that, that's kind of big picture. And then there's a whole separate line of thinking about like how we shape the win for the investor, how clearly we communicate that, how we can communicate what we win. I think we've just recently, we've gotten really bold about communicating the three things that we need from clients, which have been alluded to, process support, financial support, and then we've come out and been a little bit bold and said, we need your emotional support too. Think of us like we're the business manager running your business and we need kudos, we need cheering, we need other things from you. And if we don't get those, we're not just trading dollars for time. Yeah, that's really great. I love that book too, by the way, Psychology of Money by Morgan Housel. And you know, something kind of interesting, I was hearing Lauren talk about, and I know it's part of JWB's point of view, of you know really focusing on investors that want to buy and hold over a longer period of time holding for a full market cycle right and that their time 
in the market versus timing the market, you know, le- lessons like that, that they're teaching and educating investors. And Mark, it sounds like similarly, you're thinking about that, but also some nuance of that doesn't necessarily mean like hold forever, right? Uh, it sounds like, hey, maybe there are times where you take some chips off the table or reallocate them to other as- asset classes. And this idea of thinking of being an asset manager, not a property manager. I'm curious for each of you, like, how do you think about the distinction of property manager versus asset manager? And how far into that, you know, are you kind of like leaning and going? Um, and we don't have to go in the same order. Feel free. Anybody can jump in. Maybe I'll just go the other way. Mark, if you want to kick us off there. Yeah. So just, well, uh, we, we, we aspire to be asset managers. We aspire to help move people along their transformative journey. And, and we feel like we, we, we're lucky that we get to be, play a part in someone's uh, life journey where if we can help them build wealth, more money just magnifies more of what that person is. So we get excited about thinking the intergenerational possibilities the uh, whatever somebody wants to do in in retirement, whatever they can do with their kids, whatever social entrepreneur initiatives they can engage in. Like if we can be part of the solution that produces the fuel that empowers that kind of change, that kind of impact, um, that's really exciting. And and we can't do that for thinking like a property manager. We really have to think like an asset manager. There's no reason most of our clients making over 150K a year shouldn't end up with five properties worth $5 million and 20,000 in free cash flow 20 years from now. And so that's kind of the, you know, everybody's, everybody's going to Maui. I'm selling the trip to Maui. That's the trip to Maui. <laughs> that's great. Um, yeah. Yeah. I thought he did a really great job explaining that, right? And it's, it, it is very much that mindset and spending and exactly what Jenny said too, right? Where a lot of qu- question-based approach on the front end, really determining out like what's driving the decision to purchase this property or enter this market. What are we hoping to accomplish out of this? What's that exit timeline? Is it for generational wealth? And really helping them build out a plan. I loved what he said as far as like identifying periods of time in which it would make sense that I'm saying 2021, hey, all my clients who bought five years ago at a 5.5 interest rate, interest rates are down. This is a wonderful time to refinance, walk in low, tap into your equity, right? And then really build out that plan that's going to get the client to where they go, right? And so it's just as easy for a client to say, I just want 10 homes. And it's another reason to say like, well, what are we hoping to accomplish with these 10 homes, right? Is it to offset income? Is it to get your kids to college? And when you really can pair their drive with what you can offer, that's where you find that there's going to be a really harmonious relationship between, you know, it's more like a partnership um, than it is uh, a property manager, right? In a property management role, I feel like uh, an owner would come to me and say like, well, I've hired you to do X, Y, Z versus like in an asset management role, I'm sharing with them the wonderful things of why renewals are important, why rent increases will help capture a certain type of return for you in those productions versus it being more about dollars in a sense. I love this question. and I think they've answered it very well. Um, And actually, the whole reason for starting the platform that I did with the coaching is for this very reason. Um, is to differentiate myself and set myself apart, uh, especially now that property management has come into uh, the technology phase. You know, back when I first started, I could set myself apart from doing all of those things. But now that so many people um, are doing that, you've got to take it a step further and start really figuring out a way that you can say, you know, this is what makes my company or myself 
valuable to you as the investor. And so what I've started doing is actually creating strategic plans with our investors. So it's not just about their one property. It's about what is your goal in five years? What is your goal in 10 years? So whether it's that property that they've got now that'll work for them, that can build that equity and we can turn it into two, three, four properties, or do we need to sell that, get you a small multifamily? You know, it's just understanding their risk tolerance, uh, what their long-term goals are, how much they want to be involved, whether it's short-term, long-term real estate, you know, those types of things. So taking it, just like Mark said, from property management to asset management and strategic planning, I would take it a step further. Yeah. I love what you guys are saying here. And, you know, something that strikes me is I don't think anybody here would say there's anything wrong, right? With working with a new investor or an inexperienced investor or an accidental landlord or, you know, whatever, however you want to profile it. Right. But what I do notice about all of you is that you do educate to a way of thinking about a longer time horizon and not not just looking at something on a shorter time horizon and thinking about what are the best quality decisions right that can be made over time to help people reach their goals and early on talking to them about their goals why those are their, their goals right and sharing ways of thinking about their goals that can can really guide things to an aligned relationship where you can provide a lot of value right over time. I have that thing. What's that? Can, I, can I have one more thing? Please. So you just reminded me of one thing. Uh, the more that you're able to understand their goals and their strategic plan for the five, 10 years, if there's one hiccup in their property that they, you know, weren't expecting that expense, you know, they could easily be upset with you as property managers, you're spending money that they weren't um, necessarily planning for. However, if you can show them that it's all you know, part of their strategic plan that you know, this is a bump, this isn't a full setback. Um, you're able to kind of bring it back around where they're not then upset about that situation. They still see that bigger picture. Um, and that really helps with the customer experience as well. Mm. Yeah. Thanks for adding that, Jenny. Yeah, I want to actually recognize there's a couple audience members here that I've seen them sharing, sharing, creating and sharing content that looks like it's posted at and for uh, investor and potential investor clients. And, um, you know, Karen Jordan, I, I'm going to say, say thank you to you. I think I saw it was like a Facebook reel or it may have been an Instagram reel. And Karen was pointing out how uh, there's Karen. Karen was talking about, here's my recollection of it. So please correct the record live in real time, Karen, if I mess this up. But what I remember was there was an investor who was offered free property management, uh, <laughs> right? which like should be a red flag, but I mean, it sounds like a great offer right on its face. Uh, and then they found themselves later realizing, okay, actually, I don't know like where the lease is. Are we renewing this resident? There's like rent missing there. Anyway. And they realized, um, there wasn't a whole lot of service behind that offer of free property management. And so they were, I think coming to Karen, right. Looking for help. And so she was educating people about Hey, here's what to look for in a property management company. Like here's three, four, five things, right? That you can ask them about their process, et cetera, to understand. Cause like anyone can say, I'm a property manager, right? Anyone can say that. And there's this look alike of like, how do you really vet out who are the passionate, dedicated professionals, right? That are really going to support a high value re relationship over time. You know, at least be, be clear on what you're getting. And she was providing education on that. So I wanted to recognize Karen for that. I see Sam. Uh, Edinger, 
do this all the time, post great practical tips of like, here's how I vet rental history, right? Like here's how I ask the questions in like very tactical, practical ways to avoid, you know, getting bad information or wrong information or unreliable information. And I mean, that's just like one example of dozens of videos that I've seen Sam post. And I think all of you at your companies are doing this, right? You're you're creating content and sharing content, whether it's through podcasts or private Facebook groups or you know, social media, different places that you're distributing it. And I'd love to ask you, like, what are one or two things that you find yourself are like really important to educate potential investors on? Like if you could only only share a couple of tactical, practical things, right? What are the common things you're running into that are important to educate investors on? And uh, actually, let me, I'm going to switch it up one more time. Lauren, can we come to you first on this one? Like what are, what are the things you guys are educating investors on frequently or passionately? Yeah. So I think the biggest things that you'd hear on our podcast that no matter what the topic is, it always comes back full circle is like, you're investing in this team, right? So the track record that that person has, whether it's online or testimonials, we, we solicit out uh, referrals from our existing client base for any prospective client who'd like to work with us. I think that, you know, word of mouth is really important and social proof uh, has a big impact on that leap, especially a lot of our clients don't live in this market. They're not driving by this home. They might not ever see this home, right? So I think that those are things that I would always encourage someone to do their research on who the team is going to be to help you. Um, and I mean, more standardly, I mean, what what Jenny said, I think it's important to be transparent on the front end um, and how we lay out. Um, we're in a wonderful position where we can actually offer the inventory to buy as well as then do the property management. Um, so a lot of the data that we're presenting to prospective clients is related to our company's actual performance. So average length of lease, what that tenant placement is going to look like, factoring in that you will have maintenance and vacancy. So that way, when those things do happen, it was it's part of the plan. We we plan for this. It's just we're going through it right now. So I think transparency on the front end is really important as well. Yeah. Mark, anything else you'd add to that? Yeah, those are great comments, Lauren. And kind of um, tagging along with those uh, ideas, I feel like if we're going to be successful in client relationships, I, I like to think that if we don't clearly define parameters for winning, we are fundamentally agreeing that the other party gets to decide what those parameters are. And so what, what we've tried to do is be really deliberate about the relationship. Most of our clients are accidental landlords in our market. And so sometimes they think that winning is getting max rent and minimum costs on a monthly basis. And I think what our job is as asset managers, as coaches for them, is to help transform that thinking into a long-term thought process. It's not maximizing this month's rent or revenue income to you. It's maximizing 12 month revenue or, or and more importantly, it's maximizing that as five to 10 year revenue. And then we start having conversations about being an asset manager, about reallocating capital. The other thing that we do is we talk about that we, we uh, clarify that we're hoping that a win for you is, and then it's four things, 95% occupancy, maintenance spend under 10 to 15% of annual revenue, strong market rents, uh, renewing leases 50% of the time. And then we share, and then we say, does that sound like a good idea? And they say, yeah, that sounds great. Okay, great. We would like you to hold us accountable to those four things 
And those four things only. And pre please recognize that we need to be empowered by you to execute to those ends. And if we can get on the same page with that, uh, of course, they revert back into thinking short term and, you know, freaking out about, you know, short term expenses. And we have to zoom out and say, yes, you just had a huge expense. However, you're winning. You're only 8% of revenue so far this year. Woo you know, and then and then we keep moving forward. Yeah. I bet people love that. Just hearing here's a good example of like our four criteria, right, that we're teaching investors about what they can what they can expect from us and that that this guides the kind of decision making right that your company makes to help them achieve those outcomes right together that's cool jenny anything else on on this line that you'd add here they said so much but i'll just kind of piggyback and take it in a in a different direction a little bit um so you know i actually did um a little facebook uh post about scrappy versus scalable investors and so by asking the right questions um, you can determine what type of investor you're about to work with if you're going to work with them at all. Um, Scrappy would be the ones who, kind of like you were saying, want to have the maintenance done themselves, are willing to go out, want the cheapest prices versus the scalable ones who are understanding that it does take money to grow um, and their time is best used. I mean, they got to where they are because of what they're successful at. So getting into a field of property management, managing their own home, um is most likely not where they were succeeding so let the professionals uh scale their portfolio for them um and that's kind of you know one indication on whether or not we want to work with them but we also have an abcd type client chart that we grade people on so i can talk about that whenever you want <laughs> yeah yeah we, and i'd love to hear you know from the audience we'd love to hear in the chat anything you want to ask the panelists too we'll start inviting that in i do want to ask this next question because i want to make sure we get to at least a couple things while leaving plenty of room you know for for where things might go here but you know one of the things i think we promised and wanted to cover was like okay we talked about expectations defining the relationship what does winning look like right a really important dim dimension so that hey we're starting day one right on the right foot and we've got something we can reference back to right but the question is okay but what about from there like hey we're actually managing the property i mean a lot of people are experiencing right now hey things are a little bit slower things are like on market longer you know maybe they need to be dropping you know it's it's hey, we're dropping prices or it feels different than it's felt certainly for uh the last the last couple of years in in some parts of the country you know as they're going through you know the whole life cycle right of the property and maintaining the property it can feel sometimes like I'm only reacting. It's so I'm so busy as a property manager and just like handling, uh, you know, maintenance and collections and everything. It, it's hard to, you know, it's hard to think about getting into a proactive type of approach with people. And I'm only showing up when I've got an invoice to pay or, you know, a maintenance approval that I need or, hey, the rent hasn't been collected on time. We're still pursuing the resident on that. I, I'm only showing up with bad news. How can I start to, you know, bring positive interactions with the customer and develop a relationship where they're seeing the value and not conditioned to want to avoid my phone call, you know, so to speak. I I'm curious, like, Lauren, maybe we could start with you on this one of, and then we'll go to Jenny next of, how do you think about that at JWB? What are some of the things that you guys do? I feel like you guys have put a lot of investment into this. We have, yeah. So uh, very unconventional in, in the mindset of probably what a traditional property manager 
communication style would look like. Um, we've been in the position to purchase uh, previous property management companies as well. And, you know, we're having that conversation with the client. We're asking what their communication preferences are. A lot of the times, like, I'm only used to hearing from you when you need something. And the reality is, is exactly what you just said is, if I'm only calling them when I need something, then you're going to dodge me and that's not going to be a successful relationship. Um, we really need to be able to establish the trust and the, you know, communication lines. So something that we really pride ourselves on is even with our growth is that we treat every client as if the client of one and the client of 300 homes, they get the same experience from our company. So uh, when you're first coming on as a client, we actually touch base on a weekly basis just to make sure like they've gotten into their portal, they understand their first statement, we're maybe providing them rental updates and, and transparency in that way. Um, and then once we're we're good, we've either moved someone in, we've gone through our first statement, uh, we do shift that communication to a monthly basis. So my team is responsible for outreach on a monthly basis, 100% outreach. Um, and, you know, low level type calls can be anywhere from, you know, how things are going with rent collection, maintenance, upcoming lease ends, like the actual property management functions that a client needs to know about proactively. Um, but we take it a step further and we try to integrate some additional things that we, would be valuable for us. And then also for the client as well, right, as we've helped them build out this plan and we understand what they're hoping to accomplish with this portfolio is we're an accountability partner here, too. So um, there is an element of soliciting referrals as well as touch points related to when they're looking to acquire. And then on an annual basis, right, we're going back to the basics of how you made your purchase decision. How are we performing for you? And then we're taking it like that one step further and saying, like, we're the experts here in our market. So it's our job to share with you what trends we're seeing that the rental market might be softening or days on market might be taking longer. Um and really how that ties into their investment decision that they made and then their investment decision that they would have in, in, in future acquisitions. So we really try to make it full circle. Um, and the biggest things I, I say a successful call for a client is like, we don't even talk about their properties, right? And talking about their vacation they just went on and, you know, making sure that they know everything's great here. Um, but it's not into that nitty gritty. It's definitely more that relationship based approach. And Lauren, I, I want to follow up here actually just before passing it to Jenny because I'm like, I remember the first time hearing you talk about this and it kind of like, it threw me for a loop because just like the idea of talking to people on a weekly basis, I'm like, wow, that's incredible. Okay, I get that it it goes out to monthly and it it doesn't have to be like the most meaningful interaction every month, right? But like, I, I think some folks would even say like, I think what you guys do on an annual basis of having a really like strategic review, like once a quarter or once once a year, could you talk a little bit about those conversations that you guys are having a little less frequently, but seem like a really strategic, uh, you know, type of relationship. Like wh what does that look like and how do you cover that with your clients? Of course. Yeah. So we have taken the time to build out a, a return on investment tool for our clients. So based off of their upfront purchase decision and the numbers that we said, hey, these are your expected returns to hit. We help them through their closing process. So I know their terms and their loan amounts and their closing costs. And now I'm doing all the backend management. We actually track all that data for them and we upload it into a tool. So by the time we are hitting an annual performance review, we have trends and this this tool is really meant to talk through the great times, 
the bad times. And so if we just went through a property turn, this is a really great opportunity to say, hey, this is that moment in time. We anticipated it, but let's see how it impacted the returns and and what might have felt very emotional for that client at that moment in time. You see that it plays out in the numbers that, hey, we are overperforming in, in times of like stabilization. We planned for this. Um, and so you'll see that once we get this home back up and rented, it's going to stabilize out the the assets. So it's an opportunity to really like reset expectations if we need to, um, but also take that emotional component and bring it back to this was an investment related decision. And we're, we're looking at it from a numbers perspective. So when we go through their actual returns and then we go through and revisit the plan that they had put together with our upfront team and making sure that if goals change or they end up buying a home in another market like we're looking at the client from a holistic perspective and we're still want to celebrate the wins that they've had if it was changing their primary to now a rental like all of those things come into play to the success of the client and so it's a great opportunity for us to hit on um, if there's an opportunity to acquire more homes with our, our organization, or maybe we're even talking through now's the time where we need to exit out of the asset and how can we be a resource for you there too? So um, we really try to take it from the human approach of like looking at it from all angles. And because most of our investors are not here, a lot of growth in our city. So it's just really important. They have a vested interest as a property owner to know what's going on here, how that's going to impact taxes, um, you know, what that's going to do to their home price appreciation. So I think it's just really important to be the one to have all that information for them. And they're hearing it from what we consider the expert in our market. So. Mm. And I, I love what uh, Laura Mack's doing here, dropping uh, a couple, I think a couple templates and examples in the in the chat. If you're, if somebody's listening to a recording of this, we'll get these in like the show notes or wherever you're probably seeing this. Um, that's, that's pretty cool. Mark, hey, you can put it in the chat, but since you're right here, do you want to just ask Lauren your question, uh, question directly? Yes, Lauren, um, I love what you're doing with this. We've tried with mixed results doing something similar my question for you is what percentage of your clients when you reach out for the quarterly call engage with that routine and maybe not every quarter like give me a can you give us an idea how you boost engagement with this kind of uh, relationship i i would say we're probably about 40 percent um you definitely have your individuals who this is maybe not a priority or their lives are really hectic too but i think it goes back to what you said at the very beginning right of setting expectations um this is something that is going to be different than any other property management company that is out there and servicing your assets so it's a benefit of working with our company and then i really cater it as like this is your dedicated time right so you get the opportunity to like have your forum ask any questions that you'd like and so uh, I would say some people on my team probably tell them it's time for your annual review. Um, I think I have a lot of clients where we're saying, hey, maybe we're going through something difficult and I'm making this suggestion. I think it's a really good time for us to hop back on the phone and set this up. So uh, we do pretty well. Um, we manage a lot of clients' homes as well that maybe didn't purchase through us. And so we do still take the opportunity to provide that high-level service. Um, what's working, what's not working, how can we be an, an asset to you, which might lead to other channels in our, our business model, um, as well as providing them that market update. And I really have found that those clients are yearning for something like this because they've never gotten the opportunity to experience that before. Mm. Hey, so as we open this up, you know, and I come to 
Jenny and Mark, I'd love to hear like, are there any other examples you guys think of of like, hey, we're playing offense and trying to have some positive touch points on some regular basis and what that looks like, you know, or if you feel like we've covered that or that there's something different you want to add, hey, like really effective defense, like <laughs> when something does come up, like, oh, we've learned how to handle this really well, right? Like, and really start the conversation, the investors. So Jenny, I'll come to you first, then we'll go to Mark. Yeah, so I think um, property managers, uh, especially right now where everyone talks about door count and how many doors they bring on a month, they get too caught up in how many doors they actually are bringing on instead of focusing on how many they're keeping, um, not losing a month. Um, so, you know, if you're if you're a revolving door and you're bringing in 20 doors a month, but, you know, 10 of them are leaving, did those 20 doors even matter? And should you be focusing more on why those clients are leaving and what you could do better? Um, if you can just take some of the marketing dollars that you're spending on the doors that you're bringing in and put it towards, you know, client success already in your company, uh, one, you don't even need to spend as much money. And two, you can keep them for a really long time. We've got a really low churn rate for that very reason. Uh, we really focus on the owners that we want to keep. I think we've terminated more, more of our clients than any of our clients has ever terminated with us uh, just because of it not being a right fit. But um, with the same type of thing that Lauren was talking about, you know, we try and play offense because the same thing, if you're only contacting the owners when there's an issue, they're going to just automatically assume something negative every time you're communicating with them. Um, I'll give a, a quick shout out to Leap Simple. Ever since we started automating a lot of the processes, our owners, our tenants, they're getting a lot more touches from us. Um, by email, by, you know, telling us when it's time for phone calls, text messages. Um, another key thing that we do is trying to keep clients in house is when one of our clients are ready to sell, all of our other investors get first dibs on that property. So it keeps all of our investors engaged, excited, wanting to open up the email for me. Um, and so not only do uh, I get to sell that quick, easy for our current client, but Nine times out of 10, I'm selling it basically in-house to our investors, which then keeps that door in-house for us as well. So just trying to get creative in the ways uh, to make it worthwhile, valuable, and people wanting to stay. I love that point about turning churn into deal flow that also extends the average lifetime of your management. And That's they're really more likely to go with you because your residence experience hasn't been impacted. Right. You have the history of that home and they get essentially like a pocket listing, you know, which is, is just wonderful. Yes. Cool. Mark, anything else to add on this? Like, hey, uh, really like continuing beyond just the point of getting started in the relationship of how to continually positively build the relationship over time? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I'm just writing down everything Lauren and Jenny have said on this. I, I can get better on this and I'm excited about trying some new things. Very cool. Very cool. Awesome. Well then, hey, um, here's what we want to do. And again, there's I did see one more question come in the chat. Hey, in order to provide the quality of service, what's your staff to property ratio? Actually, I think this would be great to talk a little bit about the team makeup and understanding like, is there a sales team? Is there an account team? Is it a property manager that's handling things full life cycles or more departmental? When you think about the investor experience you want to create, what's the kind of like team structure? you know, that it looks like to to support that. Where are you at with that today? Um, you know, and how you're thinking about that. And, and Mark, can we come to you first on that? 
Sure. We haven't figured this out yet, but where we are with our current iteration is um, I've, I've long had this belief that the highest cost resources need to be making the most impact. So it drives me nuts if a really skilled property manager that can influence people and communicate and sell, if they're doing data entry, that drives me crazy. So what we've tried to do is build a system that allows a property manager to stay in their zone this, to influence people to make impact and then be able to seamlessly hand off the administrative tasks. The you know, there's a, there's a trigger event and then there's cascading tasks, right? Let's have the drivers drive those trigger events, make the maximal impact, and then have the, 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 the cascading events you know, be handled by somebody that's, that loves doing that, by the way. And they're really detailed. And, you know, um, so it's, it's, it's about maximizing unique gifts and talents in our organization. We don't have it figured out completely yet, but the theory is that we want to empower everybody to have certain decision rights within their own realm and to be just working in their sweet spot. Uh, we're, I guess you'd call us hybrid or pod or whatever, but yeah, we have, we have people doing sales for new client sales. And then we have a, one dedicated full-time onboarding specialist that's holding their hand like all the way through, you know, bridging that trust from the sales to operations. And then we have property managers solving problems and maintenance specialists, and then a maintenance director that things can go up. Property managers don't know everything about maintenance. So it's like, where can we tap into the, the superpowers uh, and deliver the best outcome? There's significant challenges with this. Um, you know, things falling through the cracks or the handoff not happening. So we, we try to bridge those gaps of technology. Sorry, that was long-winded. <laughs> That's great. Jenny, can I come to you next on this one? Yeah, absolutely. So I 100% agree with Mark on this. Um, my high-level people, they should not be doing any of the minute details. Um, and that's really where we leaned heavily into Lead Simple. I spent a lot of time. I mean, I could plug almost anyone into our Lead Simple program. And they, I, I, not that I would do this, but I probably wouldn't even need to train someone because it is so step-by-step -step that it's very easy to do. Um, which means those tasks that originally, you know, my BDM or uh, my assistant property manager or any of those people had to do that's now in there, it leaves them more time for the higher level things. And to me, the higher level things is communicating with our owners, the investors, um, and making that experience better. That is, that to me is what their um, salary dollars should be going for, not just, you know, the data entry type stuff. Um, so I very much agree with that. And, and that is one way that we're trying to, I mean, I'm sure there's still things that fall through the crack occasionally, but still having that oversight, knowing what person checked off that task, we can go back, double check and just oversee everything allows us then um, to still have the same amount of people working in our office, but better uh, laid out, better strategically planned. And then those people are able to work on the customer service side that I find val very valuable. Jenny, thanks for walking through that. Uh, and by the way, we, we're good friends with the people at Lead Simple. Hopefully, they'll send us a check for all the uh, inbound leads. For the shout out. Thanks for this. <laughs> all right, hey Lauren, I want to come to you next because, and I want to preface this a little bit. Like JWB strikes me as a pretty unique company, right? Like you're a uh, vertically integrated. So there's like, there's a sales brokerage arms. Amanda was asking this question about like, what kind of supports this? And there's, there's really a property management business. There's also a, you know, beyond just brokerage, like really a turnkey, like 
full investor kind of life cycle part of the business um, that supports a business model that I think supports things a little bit differently. And you guys manage 5,500 homes in one city, I want to say. Yeah. Um, yeah. Across a couple you thousand clients. Night, right? <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, like what can you give us a little without like the whole org structure because that yeah. may take a lot of time like specifically investor facing how do you guys think about that yeah so from the investor arm i guess we have three companies that help service our clients so we have the real estate capital which is everything you mentioned they're just the purchasing of the homes all the way through um, the closing process, as well as then the long-term management for service. Um, your property management arm is going to be uh, leasing prospects, property management, maintenance. And we also have a construction side of our business too. We're building and renovating product for our investors to purchase, but we also use them for complicated maintenance items, our property turns and things like that. So we've been able to really they're all independently can function but they work much better as a team and so something that we've very much what mark said is try to identify people's skills skill sets and one person being responsible to talk to the residents and the vendors and the client that is a mega human and so we've really said like hey let's let people play to their strengths let when we interview making sure we're finding the right fit for what that day-to-day is and so uh, we kind of just deconstructed the property management business to say my portfolio management team is going to be only speaking with clients as an external community and interdepartmentally they're working with their property managers and their maintenance team their construction team to get one fluid delivery to the client but I'm never going to put the client on the phone with my project manager. Not that he's not capable, but that's just, he's got better skill sets to manage vendors. So um, we use what's called the predictive index. And we basically built out profiles for each role in our department, in our company. And when we go to interview people, we're really saying like, is this going to be part of their like inherent skills or is this going to really stretch that person um, to make sure that they're set up for success and that, you know, our clients and our residents and, and our community win when we place a, an individual. And she even ended on the triple win there. That was like, that's <laughs> <laughs> Mark, did you have a, a question or something to follow up? I on? did. I did. And Lauren, I just wrote on my smart board, mega human. Thank you. I'm going to use that. And I think there's a, so I just wanted to point something out that's really near and dear to my heart. I feel like these things we're talking about right now, about allowing people to use their superpowers and really focus and have maximum impact and contribution only become possible when a property management company achieves a certain scale. And I think that's a tragedy. The, uh, the, I mean, the typical, if, if, you know, all the property managers in the country, what's the average unit count? I don't know. Maybe it's like 20. You know, maybe it's 50. It's not 5,000. It's not, we have 600. It's not. So how, like, there's a huge gap in our industry, I think, where the small solopreneur property manager doesn't have access to the tools, the process, the philosophy, whatever, the support needed to maximize their skill set, which is usually sales and, and client relations. They're a problem solver and their charisma, that got them to 50 doors. Getting them to 200 to 300 doors requires building a team and that's not their superpower and they're not a mega human. So actually I'm, I'm really passionate about this idea and I'm working with a partner on a, po- a possible solution. That's a, that's a shameless plug, but like uh, anyway, I, I just feel like that's a, 
that's a gap in our industry and, it, and it's a huge um, kind of a miss so far. Nobody's helped help prop up that solopreneur until they have a whole team around them. I mean, great, great point. I think Mark of like, if somebody's early on in their prop building their property management business, a lot of times like, okay, I got to do all the unscalable things and like super boutique level of service. Like I got to A, do that to kind of stand out, differentiate and, you know, B, like I'm working to a point of scale where and it can be a tough transition sometimes to like, okay, this is the experience and the interactions, the kind of thing that I had here. How do I make this scalable, start to get other people involved, you know, bring the right tools and systems in addition to the right team, right, to to grow the business. So great, great call out there of a challenge, you know, the industry faces in, in growing. Okay, we've got a few minutes left. Uh, before before we run out, here's, yeah, I'd love to ask one fun question. And, and let me check the chat just to make sure before I ask this, there's not something else I missed. Okay, cool. So here's a question. As you look forward to the future and you think about possibilities, and this is maybe dovetailing off of, Mark, hey, here's a challenge. And then like, maybe there's ways that could be solved. There's solutions that come to the industry that make things really great, right? For investors. As you look to the future of what an investor experience could be, what possibilities, you know, or images of the future get you most excited for what it could be like working with a professional property management company. I'd love to ask that question of just looking in the future, what gives you optimism? What gives you excitement? What possibilities inspire you um, to create more value and innovation in the space for this customer? And why don't we do this? Uh, I've, I've dodged Mark a couple of times. We'll, we'll have him go first this time. Okay. I'm just going to double down on what I was just talking about. I think I think we saw so many big tech companies like come into this space in the last few years and we're going to solve this problem. We're going to scale property management. I think the huge miss is that the, uh, the, the, fragile, the fragile trust between accidental landlord and rockstar person, property manager is extremely difficult to scale, right? You, you, you can't do that with software. You can't, even, you can't do it with AI. You can't do it with ones and zeros. And so I think the future of property management, if somebody can figure it out, is how to, um, how to use all of those tools and also combine um, low cost labor that's highly productive because it has the right tech and it has the right processes, and then empower the individuals across the country that only have 20 to 100 doors and allow them to do some really, really cool stuff. I think that's that's a potential future of property management that's kind of a backdoor to what all the tech companies are, kind of, are trying to come in and just steamroll and roll, roll over it. It's not going to happen. Awesome. Awesome. Mark, thanks for kicking us off there. Lauren, as you guys look at the future, what what's exciting to you? What do you think about? What possibilities excite you most? I, I think what Mark said was very, very valid. This is an industry where, you know, the people still play such an integral part of it's hard to establish trust and relationships with that technology. Um, and there's so much technology out there to support now our industry and making sure that those are harmoniously kind of like wrapped up in a bow. So something that is a huge focus for our organization is allowing the technology space to come in to allow the ease of convenience to see the production and, and the results in a way that works well for the client. So whether it's a quarterly statement, whether it's pushing out additional information, looking at it from from a asset performance like you would your retirement account, right? Those are some additional advancements that we're really excited about to continue to educate our clients to look at this as an asset that way versus uh, that accidental landlord components of 
that was my home. That was where I grew up my family. But really, if we can show the value and the growth and the production of this asset, then I think we've really nailed it um, in an industry that's everyone believes in diversification. Everyone believes that it's a good asset class to to invest in, but to truly look at it in that same lens like you would your your portfolio on in the stocks is something that is gonna be a big driver for us in the in the future. Awesome. Lauren, thanks for that share. All right, Jenny. So a lot of what they just said, um, I do think technology plays a huge role in the future of property management. But with that also comes the people, you know, you can't replace the people just because you're adding the technology, your people should be able to stand apart, stand separate. And that comes with the um, education constantly being, you know, just like Lauren said, out in front of them, having them understand why they can use their um, primary residence and helping their investment goals. I'm actually getting ready to do a masterclass on that. So I love that. And then from there, you know, I think taking the shift from property management to asset management is going to be a huge um, change over the next several years. Um, we're also working with the different software where we can start um, doing the same thing Lauren's doing. We just don't have the resources to do it in house, but uh, where we're able to see, you know, everything from the owner, the investor, the property that they've bought and all of that stuff to really show them the benefits when it's time to sell, why they should be buying more. Um, but once again, it all comes back to the communication and and staying in front of these um, investors that you're trying to keep in your portfolio. Awesome. Well, hey, uh, everybody, if you want to put some appreciation for our panelists in the chat, whether that's in the form of just saying thank you or calling out a specific nugget or something that stood out to you or resonated with you today. We'd love to invite that here as I do some housekeeping, just cleaning up. I want to say thank you to Mark, Ginny, and Lauren. I really enjoyed our prep conversations for this. I enjoyed the real thing live here with you. It's it's really been enjoyable to connect with you guys over this and really appreciate you guys generously learning together, sharing together. Uh, out with the industry as a whole. Super, super appreciative and excited for our next conversation there. As a quick housekeeping, Carol Housel, Sam Clark, other people in the Second Nature team will be happy if I do this. And so I must mention that NARPM Nationals is coming up. If you haven't been to NARPM Nationals before, really want to encourage you to do that. It'll be in Atlanta. And Second Nature does some fun things. This is like where we invest uh, you know, our spare quarters and dimes and everything in our purple piggy bank and say, what can we do to absolutely love on customers and really make them feel the love this week? Uh, so if you're gonna be there and whether you're a customer or not, actually that's not, no strings attached. If you're a property manager in this industry, we wanna show you appreciation and what many times feels like a thankless business at times and, and help connect you to peers in a great community that's at NARPM. And so we've got a VIP experience. We'll probably drop a link somewhere in the chat where you can register for that. And listen, if you can't make it to Atlanta, we'd love to find another way or another reason to connect with you before the year is over. If there's a way we can help you in your property management business, um, we'd love to support that. We've got content like this podcast, our blog, et cetera, that could be on a variety of different topics you're looking for. We're looking for feedback of more topics and what you wanna be learning about with future events like this coming up scheduled for the rest of the year. Um, or maybe more directly, if you, if you don't have a fully managed resident benefits package, then heck, please reach out to uh, our sales team at Second Nature and give them a call if you haven't, haven't taken action on that yet. We'd love to help you with that as well. So with that, everybody, happy Triple Wednesday. Just great to be with you. It's so refreshing to do this again uh, with all of you. Excited to see some of you in person on the conference circuit this fall. And Mark, Ginny, Lauren, thank you, thank you, thank you one more time. 
That's three thank yous, a triple win. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Take care. And that wraps up another episode of the Triple Win Property Management Podcast. Thank you for pressing play. We hope you've gained valuable insights and inspiration. The Triple Win Property Management Podcast is proudly produced and distributed by Second Nature, where we believe in a triple win, building winning experiences for your residents, investors, and your teams with the only fully managed resident benefits package. Visit rbp.secondnature.com to learn more and talk to an RBP expert in your area. If you have any questions, comments, or want to weigh in on the conversation, we'd love to hear from you. Email triplewin at secondnature.com. That's triplewin at secondnature.com. Stay connected with us beyond the podcast. Visit our website at rbp.secondnature.com to stay updated with upcoming property management events and articles. And don't forget, you can keep the conversation going in the Triple Win Property Management Facebook group. It's exclusively for property managers. To receive even more valuable insights and updates, subscribe to our newsletter. You can find the link to that and much more in the show notes. On behalf of the Triple Win community, this is Laura Mack thanking you for tuning in. And on behalf of Second Nature, this is Carol Housel. Check back soon for another exciting episode. Until then, keep striving for that Triple Win.